Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. In 2013, when I realized that football was a viable career for me again, um, I sat down with Edgar David uh, in his office one afternoon. So uh, I sat there with him and he, and he, he asked me a question that I, I couldn't answer at that time. And he said to me, he said to me, like, you know, who are you? And I didn't understand the complexity of the question when he first asked me. He just said to me, like, you know, in his crazy way, he'd sit down. Uh, he, was, he was an interesting guy because everybody else had to call him Mr. Everyone had to call him Mr. But I could call him Edgar. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. You're now listening to The Coaches Network, a podcast aiming to bring people at the heart of coach and player development together. My name is Coach Yas, a UEFA A licensed, FA Advanced Youth Award, and FA Goalkeeper B licensed coach. With over 10 years of experience working in youth football from grassroots right through to Premier League academies, I'm currently operating as an affiliate tutor for the FA alongside working towards a Masters in Performance Football Coaching. Today I'm going to be joined by my co host and the Coaches Network Analysis Specialist, Coach Ben. Ben is a UEFA A licensed coach who holds an FA Youth Award and a Masters in Sports Coaching with 10 years of experience including working across the male and female youth development pathways alongside a vast experience on individual player and team performance analysis. And as part of our insight series, we'll be joined by a range of individuals working across multiple disciplines within the coaching world in order to explore their journeys and dig deeper into their experiences so that we can leave you with some golden nuggets to help you reach your full potential. Right, guys, welcome back to the Coaches Network. My name is Coach Justin. Today, I'm joined by my very special guest. Today's guest is Martin Apple Westcott from MK Dons. How are you, Apple? How's it going? Yes, you're good, man. Good, man. How are you today? Yeah, I'm always good, man. I'm always good. Perfect. You know, Apple, just to kind of get us started, obviously, you know, I know a bit about you, you know, I've known you over the years. Um, but for those that don't know, would you mind just going into a little bit about who you are, what you do right now, and then we'll kind of take it from there. Yeah, sure. So um, first off, uh, my name is uh, Apple Westcott. Um, I'm a YDP lead coach uh, at MK Don's uh, Football Club. Um, yeah, that's, that's that's me for now. Yeah, that's that's it in a nutshell. Right. So Apple, you're obviously going to start right from where you are now. You're working at MK Don's currently, but I want to take you back, you know, however many years it may be now. Um, yeah. Start your coaching journey. You know, where did the passion come from? You know, how did you get into coaching and what did that start? Of course. Oh, wow. We dove, we dove straight in the defense. Um, you know what? Uh, this, is, this is my 20th year uh, coaching. Um, so the thing is, my coaching journey isn't, it's, it's not a straightforward kind of thing. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's been a personal, it's been a personal process, been a personal journey, uh, a journey of, of me finding myself um, and I think being a coach is just kind of a part of that as opposed to 
it being my, you know, me just having a specific coaching journey, so to speak. Um, so I, I, I first started coaching when I was uh, 14 years old um, at a local grassroots club called Pinnacle. I think it's quite famous uh, across Northwest London and North London. Um, really good setup run by um, just a phenomenal man uh, called Cuthbert Martin. Um, uh, rest in peace, Cuthbert. Um, and yeah, it was kind of where I got my first break in, into into coaching and um it took it took one one training session for me to know that this is what I wanted to this is what I wanted to do um uh what I realized about a year into um coaching football is that that being a coach isn't isn't just about the game you know um being a football coach isn't something um this is something that you do. It's something that you are. Um, and it, it took a really deep meaning to me quite early on at, at such an early age. Um, and I think that had a lot to do with my own personal um, struggles as, uh, as, a, as a kid. Um, you know, my, my lack of parents and, and, and sort of role models and sort of people to aspire to, to, to become. Um, you know, I, I kind of had to find something that I could pour myself into and, and, um, and I think it's quite typical of of, of my personality uh, to sort of want to be, uh, I guess, somebody that helps other people. Um, and I guess maybe for myself, I kind of just wanted to be that that bit of hope in other people's lives that I kind of wish that I had myself. If that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. You know, you only touch on a couple of things that you, you kind of brought up there. You know, first of all, starting out at fourteen. So yeah, just to kind of give the listeners a bit of an idea of your journey and where you're at now. How old are you now, then? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I've just turned 34. Just turned 34. 34 so 20, Puppy face. Yeah, it's coming up 14 now. Yeah. At, at that young age, you know, what, what, how did, how did that actually that, you know, that first opportunity, that first session come along? Was it a case of, you know, there was short coach and you asked you to kind of step in and help out, or was it just you having to run your run? Because I know that from my experience working in grassroots clubs, um, certainly there's opportunities for coaches or players who maybe might show up a little bit earlier and the, the younger ones yeah. are training before the older ones kind of get on. So yeah. is it a situation like that or how did that come about for you? Yes, it was, it was sort of kind of similar to that. So it was, um, uh, I was there training myself um, with my own age group. And um, after the training session, I think there was a girls group that was supposed to be training. And the coach at the time, this guy called Mick, who again is a really close friend of mine as well, a really good coach, um, uh, he he was running late, couldn't get there, and and I just got asked on an off chance, could you could you take them for a session? And I was a little bit like, what am I supposed to do? Like you know, I'm like look, you're normally really loud, and you know you that charismatic guy, you're always making jokes and being fun, so go and put it all to use. Like you know, go on. And then I was like, look, like you know what you're doing, just go and put on a basic training session for the girls. And I thought, all right, cool, no problem. Um, I just and it was just like I was maybe five minutes into um, into the session, and I. What, what struck me was just like the way that everybody looks to you, like, you know, and they, they actually hang on to every word that you say. And maybe, and do you know what? I'm, I'm not going to go off on a tangent. I'm going to try to keep it all linear, uh, keep it linear. Um, it, it hit me because everybody looks at you for, for all the answers. And even when you don't have the answers, they look to you for inspiration. And it was the, it was the ability to inspire people that really captured me. And it was just like, even if I don't know what I'm doing, I realized that my personality and my love could paper over that. 
Um, so at 14, I didn't know anything at all about being a football coach. I knew nothing at all about teaching, about developing, about nurturing, but I did know, I did know a lot about how to love people. Sure. Um, I knew. Sorry, just on that then, you know, you talk there, I'm interested to know how much of that came from, you know, your circumstances growing up. Yeah. Um, How much was that, was that down to you, I guess, seeking what love could potentially look like or should look like? Did that guide you in, 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 I guess, developing those traits and those uh, those qualities? Uh, Like right on the money, yes. Honestly, that's like right on the money. Like, absolutely. It was just like, I knew, I, I... I knew what these kids wanted because I knew what I wanted. Mm-hmm. I knew what I didn't have and I could see what they didn't have. Key thing, you knew what they wanted because you knew what you wanted. Yeah. Was it more so mm-hmm. in the case of that or was it you knew what they wanted because it's what you didn't have? Bit of both. It was a little bit of both. Do you know what it is? It's like, um, you know that saying, it takes one to know one. You know, I, you know, I could look at, I've always been good at reading people and just, I've always been good at, being around people and just sort of socializing with people. And I could see the types of personalities that were in the group. And I could see the types of personality that they needed me to be. And <clears throat> one of the things that helped me, uh, do you know what? It, it helped me develop something that I, I say quite often to people now. And for those, for those people that have ever heard me say this to them, it means that we've had turbulence in our relationship, but it's always smoothed itself out. Um, It's helped me understand how to be necessary. Um, And to do that, you need to be able to be adaptable uh, or to be adaptive. You need to be able to to not just read people, but understand them and understand what their needs are. And I learned how to be what is necessary for people. Um, And that was just, uh, that for me is the most special quality uh that that i had which was you know having that ability to to relate to i would say pretty much anyone um and i think i still have that um so yeah just a question i do have and obviously as you're talking i'm starting to think you know there's got loads of things popping in my head and it's just the way i kind of formulate things within that process then were you you know you said that you developed an ability to kind of understand people and yeah. How, how conscious was that from you in the sense that um, were you actually looking and assessing like, what is this person thinking what are they feeling or did you just you know, it was just a, an instinct of yours that just kind of came out no do you know what it was it was completely natural it, it was completely natural I think if you try to force these things people that really are switched on and are in tune with themselves can see through it um, and I think I'd seen enough examples of that with professional coaches and and and, and, and mentors and and even in school, um, people that would come in to to maybe look. Yes, I was a really angry kid. I was a really really angry kid, you know. And I had I had mentors and and psychiatrists that come into the school and and come to talk to me and maybe try to understand why I was the way I was. Why was I such an angry kid? Why was I so rebellious? You know, I was doing so well in all my classes. It kind of just didn't tally up. It didn't make sense. How was I able to do so well in school and and be so dysfunctional um, uh, outside of the classroom, if that made sense? Um, and I could see through all of the people that came. I, they, I, 
I, and it wasn't just a matter of what I felt. It was um, feeling something and knowing something are two different things. I never felt like they wanted to help me, but I also knew they didn't care about helping me. So, and I'm the kind of person that I wear my heart on my sleeve. Anything I do, I do because I love, I do it because I want to do it. Um, and I never felt like as if the people that were come to talk to me were there because they genuinely wanted to make a difference. I felt like they were there because they had to be there. Um, and when I was on a training pitch or when I am on a training pitch to this day, I'm there because I want to be there, but I want the players to feel the fact that I want to be there. I want them to know that I'm there for them. Um, and I think that is something that always comes out and comes across in my coaching, in my communication, um, you know, and it's genuine because I, I, I struggle to communicate with people that I don't like because, it, you know, if, and here's the thing, as you get older, you understand the maturity level of, well, I don't need to like this person, but I just kind of need to get on with it. But you know what? We only live once and I don't really want to live my life in, a, in, a, in an awkward space. I don't want to be in an awkward space because if I'm in an awkward space, I can't be myself and they can't be themselves. And if anything, it maybe becomes a bit of a breeding ground for more animosity. And I'm, it's not really something that I'm a part of. I don't really want to be around it. You know, I grew up in an awkward space. I grew up around awkward people or people that were harboring passive aggressive emotions and, and it came out in their behavior. You know, when somebody does something for you, but they don't really want to do it. And it's just, I, I just choose not to be in an environment like that. And it's, Look, some people don't like it. Other other people do, and it's just not for me. So I made a conscious effort to always, e even if I didn't initially take to someone, I know there's always a common ground that you have with somebody that you can communicate with them. And the unique environment of football gives you that platform because we're all there because we love it. We're all there because there's a burning passion inside of us somewhere that makes us all want to be there and as long as that that common ground is there I feel like I can always relate to someone mm -hmm. I think I think it's quite interesting today like, uh, I've had times in the, in the past where you feel like maturity so it teaches you that you know, sometimes you're not going to like everyone that you come across yeah you don't have to like everyone that you come across in fact um, there's certainly no re there's certainly no uh, reason that it has to be I guess an animosity or a beef of, of some yeah. sort of, yeah, you know you can kind of just let bygones be bygones and just kind of keep get get through it in that respect. I want to take you back, you know, to the to the start of your coaching journey. Then you know you say fourteen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously, not in an official capacity, but you know, how did that journey progress? You know, obviously that was the moment that it caught your passion or caught your interest, at least to say to say the, to say this anyway. Where did it go from there? And I've got I'm going to come back to that. You know, you, you probably don't remember, but we'll, we'll move on to that later. <laughs> um where did it take me from there so um wow so I was obviously still playing at the time um and it was interesting because despite look I, I done okay at that age as a player but hindsight shows me that I really massively underachieved and I sold myself short as a player um but I always wanted to compete. I always wanted to be the best at everything I did. And that, that element of my personality has never disappeared. Um, I just wasn't using my energy efficiently when it came to playing. 
I was using it as a place to vent and 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 be expressive. And it showed in in the way that I played football. I was always so direct. I was always so uh, so aggressive with everything that I'd done, and not just in terms of uh, like physical aggression. I meant in terms of even like sort of my body mechanics were always so aggressive. I was always so sharp and so just always trying to be better than everybody else. Um, but quite quickly, I lost love for playing. And it, I played because it was an addiction. I didn't play because I loved football. I can't tell you the last time I played football because I loved it. I played because it was a burning obsession. And I found out quite quickly that that was a bad place to be because you don't make good decisions when you're, when you're not thinking, you're kind of just leading with emotion. Um, so coaching for me became something that I could really channel myself into and think about. Um, I would say, and it pro probably doesn't come across this way, uh, because of uh, how snappy sometimes I can say things and it can throw people off. But I'm a very analytical person. I do think a lot, a hell of a lot about the things that I do and the things that I say. Um, the, the difference is, it's just I, I just don't care about how people take it sometimes because sometimes you need to shock and awe people or you need to shock in order to awe people um, with the things that you say and the things that you do just to kind of bring them up to where you are or bring them down to where you are. Um, and coaching, everything about coaching, and I'm, I'm not even talking about the football element, I'm talking about coaching, how you coach people, mentoring people, listening and talking to people, everything about that process, that information transfer, I just became in love with. Mm. And football was just the key to the door. And, every, you know, and it was just, I felt like the knowledge of the game didn't mean much to me at that point, at that age, at 14, 15 and 16. The knowledge of football didn't mean much to me. I felt like the level of football I'd played at and the amount of coaches I'd been around, I picked up so many uh, practices or drills, we'd call them back then. I picked up so many drills. I was able to understand what was relevant for what I wanted to do at a very, very basic level. But a lot of what I was then was a, a mentor. And I would say that is still a lot of what I am now. But my knowledge has obviously grown massively. And I now have learned how to, um, how to link um, the mentoring personality with, with the game, um, with the four corner model and these kinds of things. And where, where, where I started to expand, as I got to about 16, I realised that understanding people was just one element of it. I feel I still feel to this day it's the main element because any for any developer or any any person that works with people and you're trying to pass on information, um, you have to understand the people that you work with. Understand that you don't. How can I put it? Um, you look. You work with players. Uh, well, actually, what you do is you work with people, not with players. You work with people, um, and you work with them. Um, they don't work for you. Uh, you know, so there's a huge difference there. And it was learning new approaches with different kinds of people. Some people need an authority figure. Some people need a hug. Some people need someone more um, professional 
Um, some people, you know, just everybody's different. And it's trying to encompass all of those needs and desires of an entire group into this one person. Now, when you're a grassroots coach, you have to be the kit man. You have to be the coach. You have to be the taxi driver. You have to be the, 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 the dinner lady. Uh, you have to be the psychologist. Um, and sometimes you have to be the, 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 the home tutor for their schoolwork. And it was just, I think, being a coach in grassroots football at that age, being exposed to so many elements of life and other people's personalities and their own lives and their own little bubbles and their own troubles just helped me grow so much as an individual. And I was never to know at that age how valuable that experience actually would be. Um, and it's only now I step, I've stepped into the professional world of coaching that I can see how many coaches lack life experience, so just, um, despite how much game knowledge. So just on that, just to kind of paint, cool. you talk there about the age and going through those experiences, just so that we've got a clearer idea of where we're at now. Obviously, you yeah. start about 14, having that first experience. Where, where are we now? So, uh, so going into, uh, I would say, I say 14, 16, I say, by, so by the time I got to about 20 years old, I was coaching at sort of ver coaching across various semi-pro clubs, um, um, coaching under 18. So it's quite often I was coaching players that are only a year to two years younger than me, sure. um, and that in itself is a task because you're young. And I, I think there's this sort of subconscious element where kids don't listen to kids; they listen to adults. And it was challenging for me at that age, but it came natural. It came, it came very, very natural. Um, and just being able to interact with more kids from loads of different backgrounds. Um, God, we used to get kids coming from Southall. There was kids coming from Kenton and Harrow, kids from South London, from East London. And I quickly realized that they were not there for the football club. Of course. I realized that they were there for me. And that was just like, it would bring tears to my eyes all the time uh, that these kids were coming from all over the place to come and play in, in, in my sessions or come and play in, in my team. And it was, it's that kind of appreciation that helped me understand what it was to be a football coach. It's more than just football. It's about being a coach. Um, and it was just, yeah, it's, 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 it's a really strange thing. I can't really explain it. I can't articulate it very well. I don't know why. For it. I'm starting to get emotional. The more I tap into it, I'm becoming less and less uh, articulate. Um, but uh, it was and still is an absolute honour every time I'm able to go on a football pitch and be trusted with somebody else's dreams and somebody else's passion. Sure. And I want to take you back to that, because that's what was happening. You know. um, yeah. And this, this is a memory that only popped up for me in the last few years. In fact, when I was thinking, right, okay, I need to get Apple on this. Um, now, you was a bit of a techie player back then, weren't you? I was all right. <laughs> I was all right. Look, I was all right. I was okay. I want to take you back to a memory that I had. I'm thinking to myself, right, me and you became acquainted like more, more on a formal level a few years back. You know, I'm talking in the last maybe five, six years. Yeah. But actually, I'm thinking to myself, all this time, know this guy's face from somewhere. Oh. 
So I remember a time, I think I'm going back to like 15 years ago, I think it was about, maybe I must have been about 13 at the time. Mm. 14, maybe. I was riding my bike in Burnt Oak. There was a park in Burnt Oak. I can't remember what park it was. It's like in behind Burnt Oak. Crescent like, Park. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I think it might have been. Yeah. Park. I remember, I think I went to that park one day and there was this mixed race guy who was trying to teach me Zidane roulettes and stuff like that. Hold on a second. That's you. <laughs> I'm going back. Oh my god. Now you probably don't remember this. I, I just it just put, it just came into my head a few days ago, and I think to myself, that was Apple. Um, I don't know if you remember that. Wow. Do you know what? My memory is good, and I actually do remember. I actually, you know this is crazy because people will think that you've told me about this before and I'm actually in shock. I'm, I'm actually in shock. I remember, do you know what? I used to be in the park 24 hours a day. Yeah. I was there 24-7. And anyone that came over and wanted to play football, yeah. I was in, let's, let's go and play. <clears throat> and I actually remember out on the grass on the main pitch um, teaching uh, a couple of kids how to do different variations of the of the roulette of the Zidane roll, and you could take it out of your left and change your body shape, go out of your right. I actually, I actually do remember that. Was you one of those kids? <laughs> I, it, it seems like it was, man. I think to myself, I know. Oh my god! Okay, three years down the line now. Now, you know, that's crazy. <laughs> the random memory that popped back into my mind a couple of days ago, and I think to myself. <clears> I knew I knew the face from somewhere. Wow! Years ago, when we came, you know, when we I guess met properly, mm. that was Apple. So I mean, even going back to that, I can see. Do you know what? You, you must have been about 17, 18, maybe nineteen tops at that point there. Um, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. And you're thirty four, so you know, five years difference there. You can't have been too far from that sort of age. So you know, you're kind of talking around the same sort of time that you've just been describing. You know where? Yeah. You know, you're starting to have that impact on on, on players, and I and I, I just think about my own journey. And I had one particular time where, you know, I'm going back maybe about nine years now. Um, you know, I had a player who was who was coming to my sessions. Um, you know, I'm doing sessions in and around like Brent Cross, Hendon area, and I've got yeah. kids coming from bloody Peckham. I'm thinking, what are you lot doing in my session? Yeah. It, it used to it used to be baffling to me because you know we had that challenge of you know, are these kids ever going to get there on time? Yeah. Um, we knew they were going to get there one time because it was a it was a midweek evening. We knew they were going to come late, um, but then you know it's only I guess later down the line you start to reflect in hindsight. Well, actually, well, hold on a second. Should should we have dealt with them differently because we knew they were going to be late? Rather than looking at that and saying, right, hold on a second, what's actually bringing them here in the first place? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Now I, I'm, you know, clearly I must have been doing something right for these kids. You know, the amount of grassroots club there is, you know, on every corner now, and yeah. even back then, they must, I must have been doing something right for these guys to want to come from there to come and play for me in the, for sure. the other side of London. You know, knowing they were going to be late, it might be a ninety-minute session, but they were only probably going to be there for the last forty-five of it or whatever it might have been. Mm-hmm. And you know, I just want to just talk to that bit. You know, at that point in my journey, you know, I'm, I'm going similar to the age that I was describing for yourself, you know, I was about 19 at the time, 20 at the time, maybe. When did you, I guess, start looking at that coaching journey and taking it more of a, as you put it, more down a professional, when did you start pursuing the qualifications? And what the process like, you know, you know, you know without, you know, how, how, how did that journey continue from age 20 
mm-hmm. to now 34, going through grassroots in various different environments. And how did you officially step into that, you know, that professional world, shall we say? Do you know what? I've never spoken about this before. Uh, I've, ne- I've actually never answered this question before. I've always, I've been asked and I've never actually answered the question. Um, do you know what? I had so many weights around my neck uh, for a long time. A long time. I had a lot, a lot, a lot of things that were, that I was responsible for, or at least that I felt responsible for. Um, I felt responsible for my siblings. I felt, even if, even if they were older, um, I felt responsible for my friends, for my cousins, um, and even for my own parents. Um, and I never saw coaching as a viable career or even as a viable option until the last six, seven years. Um, I had a lot to deal with. I had a lot to deal with. Um, and I was still trying to figure out how to deal with my own, just, I'll be really honest. I had to figure out how to survive most days, let alone figure out how to have a career in absolutely anything. Um, so I broke both my ankles um, uh, in a double break when I was 17. Um, it happened again when I was 19. It was a re-break. Um, the ligament damage was worse than, than the bone uh, breaks and the fractures. And I still suffer now with the ligament damage. I've still got the scar tissue and the bruising uh, around around my right ankle. Um, so I knew playing for me at a certain level was, was done. That, that was it, it was done. And I was, I spent, I spent 10 years Best part of 10 years, say I spent eight years trying to figure out what it was that I that I wanted to do, I, what was right for me. Um, and it didn't matter what avenue or path I tried to take, all roads led back to football. All roads led back to football. I'm not a superstitious person. I'm a spiritual person. I believe in energy. Um I'm not a superstitious person and, I, and, I, and I, I don't believe in coincidences, but this was too much of a coincidence. Every time I tried to walk away from football, football just presented itself back to me again. I, I had a son, my firstborn son. I'm so proud of him. He's an amazing kid. Um, when I was 21 and... I said, okay, I'm going to go and work a nine to five. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I left football well alone. And I can't even remember what, I think I was working in a, in a bookies, in a bookmakers, uh, um, a place in Mill Hill. uh, What was it called? Jennings bet. It was called Jennings, Jennings bet in Mill Hill. And um, it was when it first, first opened. And, um, Got a job there and I was doing well. They made me an assistant manager. Um, 
I always had an aptitude for numbers. Uh, anything I do, I, I'll always do my best and whatever happens, happens. But I've always, I've always done well with anything that I've done. And there may be an assistant manager within sort of a couple of months. And then my area manager comes in and he, and he has a chat with me and he says, look, we're opening a new branch in Edgware or wherever it was, or St. Albans. I think it was St. Albans. So we're opening a new branch and we're looking for a training manager and blah, 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 blah. And we got talking and he said, oh, I'll tell you what, let's have an informal chat uh, on Friday. I said, okay, no problem. He said, me and the other managers are getting together. We play in a football team, a company football team, come and play with us. And I thought, okay, cool. All right, no problem. And these are all sort of middle-aged men. So I turned up, uh, I think it was out in, um, it was in Reading somewhere or something like that. And um, so we went out to Reading, uh, turned up, boots, you know, going there, we start to play and I absolutely killed it. And they were just like, the hell are you doing working with the bookmakers? I'm like, what's going on? I was like, oh, like I used to play, I don't play anymore. And, and my area manager was genuinely, genuinely blown away. Like it was absolutely blown away. And he was like, look, he goes, I've never said this to you before. He goes, I used to be a football coach. He goes, oh no, like I've got my level three. You know, yeah, there's his, his UEFA B. Uh, he said, I've coached a lot of kids, a lot, a lot of people over my time. He said, I've never seen anyone play the way that you just played I've never seen kids that can do the things that you can do and I was like I used to play I don't play anymore and I was kind of just a bit shut off from it and he said to me listen to me go and play football he said I'm not going to make you a trainee manager he said I feel like if I do that I'll kill your curiosity I'll kill your passion he said I can tell that you love football because you're so upset when you talk about it and he'd say to me what happened to make you fall out of love with football and I kind of just gave him a brief story about just my upbringing or I can't even say upbringing. I think I was dragged up more than I was brought up, but um, you know, and he, after hearing that, and he just said to me, look, I'm going to do something that might get me in a lot of trouble. And he said, I'm going to give you three months off of work and I'm going to give you full pay. And I'm going to give you this time to go and get yourself fit and go and do whatever it is that you need to do to go and get involved in football. Well, I, just, I was just blown away and I just thought, you know what, this guy's given me a chance. So I thought, okay, let me see what I can do. Um, at that point, by the time I was 20, I think I must have played something like, I, I, I played over a thousand football matches by the time I was 20 years old. I played a lot of football, played senior football from when I was 15. Um, I was playing Ryman Prem with guys like Bradley Bubb and whatnot, but at 15 and 16 years old. Um, and starting games and um, I played a lot of non-league football at that point a lot a lot of non-league football I got an opportunity to go uh, and play um, where was it uh, it, was like a, it was like a national league club I think it was Beckenham or where, where, whoever it was at that time and I went training with the first team gave me a blight I went straight in training with the first team absolutely killed it the coach that was there was also a firefighter. Um, and he said to me, listen, blah, 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 blah. Because we got, we got talking. I was there for a, like, two weeks and we got talking. And the guy was really, really cool. And he said, listen, what are you doing for work? And I said, look, I work for this company. They've given me this time off to go and try to pursue a career again in football. And he said to me, listen, that's all well and good. He said, but what are they paying you? I said, look, 
right now it's free money. I'm not even, I don't actually have to turn up to work. It's letting me, all I'm doing every day is going out for runs. I'm, I'm, I'm doing gym. I'm training on my own in the park. Um, and he just said, look, listen, I'm X, Y, and Z in the fire service. Here's this uh, a website. Go on here, call this phone number and just fill out this application form. I thought, okay, cool. Filled out this application, done everything that he asked me to do. Filled out this application form to join London Fire Brigade. Um, and um, I, I got in, passed all of the uh, exam requirements, physical, everything. And then I got a letter. So this is now, we're talking about sort of three, four months down the line. Um, I got a letter after going through all the interview process and the test. And they said, look, unfortunately, we're putting the recruitment on, on freeze uh, for, for two years. Um, so we're going to put you into a into a pool of candidates, X, Y, and Z. So I said, okay, didn't really know what to do with that. Um, I got a phone call about two days later. So I answered the phone and it was West Sussex Fire and Rescue Service, not London, so it's out of London. Um, and they said, look, blah, 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 blah. Would you, like, we know that you've passed the exam and everything else, these criteria would kind of been, I think at that time, I think they were information sharing with other brigades. So if any other firefighters that were uh, applicable that passed all the tests and everything else, the ones that were in this pool, this holding pool, if they wanted to try and apply for another service, they could. So they gave me an opportunity. I applied for it, joined West Sussex Fire and Rescue Service. And that was kind of like the basis of everything else that would happen then for coaching. Um, I joined the fire brigade within two months of me being in active service, coming out of training school. My training tutor was well, a player and a, and a coach for the fire service football team. And straight away, come and train, come and do this. I heard that you used to play. Yeah, okay, cool. So I joined uh, one, one training session. I was a bit, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't football fit. I was fire brigade fit then. So I was probably even more so like I'm now, like much more muscular. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Big sort of upper body, um turn up and I, I've done all right. Technical was still there. And then I turn up and played in a game. And um, I played for West Sussex uh, against Essex. And I think I scored a hat-trick in 10 minutes. And uh, the manager of the fire service team was just like, what? He <laughs> was like, what? like, what's going on? And then uh, um, I got called up uh, to go and train and, and play with the national fire service team. Um, and then the whole coaching thing got to come into it again. And then I got an opportunity at Barnet. And it was when this opportunity to go to Barnet kind of presented itself. Edgar Davis was the manager at the time. Uh, so it was like a lot of attention was there and that kind of stuff. And it was a, it was a big draw for me to want to go there and be a part of that setup in any possible capacity, whether it be a player, a coach, a first team staff. Um, and, and that kind of inspired me to leave the fire service. Um, so I left the fire service and it was at that moment in 2013 when I realised that 
football was a viable career for me again. Um, I sat down with Edgar David uh, in his office one afternoon. So uh, I was sat there with him and he, and he, he asked me a question that I, I couldn't answer at that time. And he said to me, he said to me, like, you know, who are you? And I didn't understand the complexity of the question when he first asked me. He just said to me, like, you know, in this crazy way, he'd sit down. Uh, he was he was an interesting guy because everybody else had to call him Mr. Everyone had to call him Mr. But I could call him Edgar. Um, I think maybe it's because my personality, I, I wouldn't allow myself to be submissive to, to somebody else to call him Mr. Um, even the chairman at Barnet at the time, Tony, I, I wouldn't call him Mr. Chairman. I'd just say Tony or Mr. Fernandez, I, I, anything but Mr. I, I wouldn't call Mr. Chair. I couldn't do it. I just, in my mind, it's too submissive. I'm, I'm, I'm too alpha for that. Anyway, I sat in the office and, I, and he's going, you know, Apple, what do you want for yourself? Who are you? And I was like, I didn't understand the question. I kept saying to him, Edgar, I don't understand the question. And he's going like, who are you? Like, who are you as a person? I said, I, I don't understand the question. And I sat down with one of his coaches, a guy called uh, Dick. Uh, and Dick was just like, you know, he was game knowledge, like unbelievable. Some of these Dutch guys, they, they know stuff. They, they've forgotten more than, than I will ever know about football. <laughs> like, you know, and um, sorry, I don't know what's happened there. And um, yeah, it was just, it was crazy. And Dick kind of got me to understand what Edgar meant. And then, couple of weeks later Edgar came back and I think he was in Vegas or something like that I'm not gonna he came back and he and he said to me you spoken with Dick yes and it was the way that he would speak he sounded like Yoda sometimes when he'd talk he'd be like you spoken with Dick yes I'll be like uh yeah and he's like so now you tell me who are you and I was just like I said to him I'm 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 a lost kid trying to find myself so I'm trying to find myself I'm just trying to find something that I love um, so I never have to work a day ever again in my life. And and he put his hand out, he shook my hand and said to me, now go and be great. He said, now just go and be great. Everything you do, go and be the best. And I, from that day, he gave me, he gave me his own UEFA, um, the, 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 Dutch, uh, the Dutch Federation, Football Federation, uh, UEFA B um, information pack. And he said to me, go and read that and tell me if you understand it. And if you understand it, if you don't, he said, uh, what you don't understand, come back to me and we'll talk about education. I said, okay. Went away and I just obsessed. Now, I used to inhale books. I just, I could just inhale a book in, in two days. That's like, you know, big, thick books, they'll be gone. So I went off and I thought, right, I really, really want to impress Edgar. I want to go, I want to be... I want to be able to have an answer for everything that he says to me. I, I read this book front to back and didn't understand the word of it um, because it was talking about processes that I wasn't familiar with. I, I wasn't familiar with these processes of, of teaching, these processes of, of learning, of understanding. And I think the whole thing was a setup because he wanted to see whether or not if I'd come back and be a Billy Bollocks know-it-all or if I'd come back and be humble and say, teach me. And I came back and I said, teach me. And that is when uh, he gave me a telephone number. I spoke to another guy and he was just like, right, this guy is going to give you uh, uh, mentoring for your football, for your coaching. 
He said, you know a lot, but you can always know more. He said, you can't ever know too much when it comes to football. He said, you, you'll never know everything. And, um, and Edgar put me on that path. And from then I went to Edgware Town. Um, I was an interim first team manager at Edgware Town and uh, done quite well there. And it was just, from then it was just, I knew what I wanted and I didn't want to be stuck in that non-league circuit. I don't want to be a non-league manager. I, I, I don't ever want to be a non-league manager. No disrespect to the non-league level, but I feel like what I've got to offer as a, as a person um, in terms of my knowledge is just beyond what what non-league can give me, if that makes sense. Um, doesn't mean I'll never do it. It doesn't mean I'll never do it at all. It just means right now where I'm in my career, I kind of, what I would like to, to, to step past that, that element um, because it's so easy to kind of just get lost in non-league because it's so vast. Um, and yeah, just from that moment onwards, I knew what I wanted to do. Uh, my struggle was knowing people and we know that a lot of uh, professional jobs revolves around networking now if you if you're not a member of the pfa or if you've not come across uh who a b and c on courses or um as a player then quite often you just don't get the chance you don't get the opportunity and it's, that's got nothing to do with you being black or being white or being asian it's just got everything to do with who you know because what i realized is that uh, being a coach or being a manager is such a high pressure environment people need to know the people they work with so they can trust them um, because there's so much for people to do. They need to trust the people around them to know that they can handle the elements that, that kind of need to be dealt with. Um, and that is, and that's kind of how I've managed to arrive to where I am. I, I've managed to, by hook or by crook, I've put myself in people's faces. I got to know um, a really, really good guy who was, um, working at MK Dons at the time called Steve Brown. He's now, uh, I think, the head of, of, of idea Arsenal. Um, and me and Steve were, were talking for quite a while. And I think Steve was kind of feeling me out for a little bit. I don't, I think he was unsure for a while because I'd been in grassroots for so long and my, my background was so different. It wasn't, you know, I, 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 it wasn't so um, uh, implicitly professional, so to speak in terms of football, it had been so up and down all over the place. He wasn't sure where I was in terms of, do I really want to be a coach? Um, and we sat down, we had a conversation uh, one evening and I think that one conversation sealed it for him. And he was just like, absolutely. All the doubts that he had, he couldn't believe he had anymore. And he was just like, absolutely. Do me a favor. What are you doing tomorrow? This is two years ago. And he said, look, Come to, come to the stadium, let's meet up and have an informal chat. It's not an interview, it's not this, it's not that, it's just, we're going to have a chat. So I went up to the stadium, um, met with Steve Brown, met with the phase lead, uh, John Bitten. Um, and John Bitten looked, I think, a bit overwhelmed by my person. He looked a little bit like overwhelmed because I came in there and I was so passionate with the way that I spoke about certain things. And I could see it kind of like, uh, I, I wouldn't even say he was overwhelmed. I think it actually intrigued him because the more I talk with with, with my phase leader, we're, we're good friends. Like we're good friends now. We talk a lot. And we're always we're always getting at each other over silly things. But I realised that I intrigued him a lot. I and that was that. So my own perception at the time was that I I was maybe too odd for him or too passionate for him. But it actually I intrigued him. So me 
being in that environment got me to understand that people have different mannerisms. They are more reserved, even if they do feel as excited and as passionate as I am, they're just a bit more reserved. And that kind of, uh, that taught me a lot of lessons as well, just like kind of how people conduct themselves in a, in a professional environment. And you do have a choice. You can either be really reserved or you can just be yourself. But I think the big thing in professional football is to be yourself. You have to be relatable because these these people that play football, because they're not just football players, they're people that play football. Um, they are normal, everyday people that we come across. And we have to be relatable to them. Sorry, I went off on a tangent. I know I kind of covered like 10 years in like 20 minutes. No, 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 definitely. I think it's some great stuff there. And I think, you know, you, you, it kind of leads me on to one of the things I did want to kind of get in uh, across mm. with you now is that, you know, throughout your journey, and obviously you've now ended up at MK Dons as, yeah. as a YDP coach. Um, would you mind just for the listeners that maybe aren't too familiar with what that looks like and what that means? Yeah. That we just go into a bit of detail on what your current role actually looks like on a day-to-day. Yeah, sure. So, <clears throat> yeah, look, I mean, it's... It's not all that dissimilar from from being a coach uh, at a grassroots club. If I'm completely honest with you, that we, you know we still have a lot of responsibility to 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 plan and write our own sessions. Um, we have to stick to a syllabus. Um, there are IDP sort of in individual development uh, uh, profiles and, and individual development points that players need to work to. I mean, really, what it is, it's 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 a more formal. Uh, and professional approach to developing players. Um, so for every training session, you have your focus points, you have players that you're trying to help um, improve on certain elements that perhaps uh, they were weak on in their last player reviews. Um, uh, we have to have a, a better understanding and, and also an ability to deliver um, critique uh, in a way that isn't so heartbreaking or soul destroying, um, we have to be able to deliver um, uh, player reviews uh, where we sit down with parents and, and players and discuss uh, sort of where they are at that time, things that they could improve on um, over a long period of time or even maybe uh, over a short period of time. Um, like I said, it's not all that dissimilar from being a grassroots coach, there's just more structure. There's more structure and there's more support and there's more resources. And I think I think a lot of grassroots coaches would struggle with the, with the structural element. Um, but I do think everybody would excel when they've got the right resources and, and sort of those kind of things back in them. You know, just kind of talking there about excelling and obviously developing along the pathway. You mentioned a few things that have happened in your own personal journey, but I'm just more curious beyond the experience that you've already touched on uh, and it may yeah. be into some of those have you had you know certainly have had what well, who would you say are, have been your major influences or what you know what, what stages of your journey would you say have been major influences you know what are some of the real big lessons you've kind of taken from that um it's hard to, that's, that's hard to answer what, what do you mean? Well, I, I elaborate on it. What do you mean? If you had to now, you know, if you look back at the last 15, 20 years, you know, there's yeah. major, I guess, points in that journey for you where you think, you know what, this has really shifted my thinking or whether that be an experience that you've been through. 
or a conversation where you've had with someone of a, you know, let's say a, a more senior figure, but it could be a more experienced individual that's kind of lent some uh, wisdom your way. And, you know, what's the kind of takeaway for you from that? You know, if you get to now reflect back on that. I, I hate cliche sayings but you must trust the process. You must trust your, the, the process of growth. I'm in, I, I'm, I'm in this, uh, look, we're, we're both coaches and I'm constantly in this element of getting people to understand what it is to trust the process. People are always uh, apprehensive because, because they lack optimism, because there's that fear of the unknown. Because when people don't, don't know what's happening, they find it very difficult to have faith. Um, now, we're both men of faith in, in many ways. Um, and I'm trying to teach my son or both of my sons how to have faith in a process. My sons, both of them want to be perfectionists. They want, they're, they're very much like me in that sense. They both want to do really well. They want to be the best at everything they do. Um, one of them gets really emotional and he cries. The other one gets really frustrated and he gets angry. Both emotions are the same, just different uh, kind of different ways of, of, of showing what they're feeling. But I understand why they feel the way that they do because it's everything so uncertain. They feel like if they're not the best, they're not going to be able to, to progress. They're not going to be able to succeed. They're not going to get that job. They're not going to get that, that pro contract. And I'm trying to get them to understand, don't get lost in what's happening right now to the point of where you lose focus of what the overall goal is. I said to my son yesterday, you're eight years old. You're eight years old. You don't need to get frustrated about not being able to do that exercise, not being able to do that drill, not being able to do that touch. I said, you're at Arsenal. You're already doing good things. I'm your dad and I'm helping you. You're going to do fine. Just trust the pro, just have faith. I never had anyone to explain that to me. I went through my whole childhood and People think that it changes as you get older because you're more mature and you're an adult. No, it doesn't. Because you go through your adulthood with the same panic at times where you just think, forgive my French, you think, fuck, like, when is this going to end? Like, whenever you're going through an adverse, a time of adversity, we get lost in thinking about the negative impact that that, that, that adversity has in our life. Now, yes, me and you have both experienced some, some, some emotions that we should never have to experience in our life because of things that we should never have to go through. Um, and do you know what the light at the end of the tunnel was for me? It wasn't being able to talk to people like you that were going through similar things. It wasn't being able to talk uh, about football. The light at the end of the tunnel for me was that I looked at everything I'd been through up to that point, right up to that moment, and I'd say, I'm still standing. I'm still here. So on the grand scheme of life, how big a deal is this one thing for me to be so negative about and be so depressed about? 
And then I would look at a bigger picture and I'd stop worrying and stop being lost in the now and start thinking about the future. What things can I do to affect, to positively affect my future? And for me, it was about qualifications. It was about being around like-minded individuals. Sometimes even being around people that weren't like-minded. So I knew where I wanted to be. I don't want to be like that person. I want to be like this person. So it was it was a, a multitude of things. But I realised that everyone's journey is different. We don't all come to our conclusions in the same way or at the same time. Um, some people come to that conclusion sooner. Some people come to that conclusion later. And I do believe that mine is just unique in the sense that I'm following my own path. I've not had anyone really to come and tell me, Apple, this is what's going to happen. You just need to chill. Have I kind of figured that out for myself. And that is why I feel I've become as grounded and as rounded as I am today. You know, just on that then, you know, you talk through some of the, you know, the trial and tribulation that you've had to go through in your life. Yeah. Both on a coaching level, football related and obviously personal life. And, you know, interesting enough for you, then obviously, you know, I can, I can get, I've got an idea of what you might say to this, but I'm still keen mm -hmm. to find out. <clears throat> you say it's helped to keep you inspired and motivated to keep going. Listen, I don't care how cliche it sounds. My children. My children. I'm a father and I never thought I would be. I've got, I've got beautiful souls. I've got lives that look up to me. They look to me for not just survival, for food and for clothes, but they look to me for inspiration. And that is just like... Yes, I never had anyone to inspire me, you know? No one, no, one, no one in my household, no one in my family inspired me. Nobody. I inspired myself. And I don't even know how. I don't even know how. And, and I think about my kids. And I know that they're watching me. Even when I think they're not watching me. I know they're watching. And I know they can feel whatever I radiate. They can feel, if I'm frustrated, they can feel it. If I'm happy, they can feel it. If I'm sad or if I'm upset, I know they can feel it. Doesn't matter what ice sculpture I try to, to chisel with my face, they, they see through it because they feel it. They will always be my biggest motivation. They are my legacy to this world. And it's not about what I can do to, to, to positively affect this time that I'm here. It's about what I can do when I'm not here anymore. How will my impact last? And I'd like to think that I'm gonna raise, I'm raising children that when they become adults, the adults of tomorrow, they are gonna bring about some kind of positive change in a bigger way that doesn't involve football. I don't know how, I don't, I, I just feel it. I just, I just know my children are destined for bigger things. And I am just stage one, I'm step number one in their development process to become what I feel they're supposed to be. And my children 
will always be my number one motivation. My other motivation, and this is the only other motivation, I've got two motivations. The first is my children. My only other motivation is myself. I had to grow up um, very much on my own. Um, I had to fend for myself. Um, certainly more so from, from a certain age, from 15, um, when my grandma passed away. I had to, I had to set my own uh, levels of expectation. Um, and I've, I, yes, I'll be honest, I've disappointed myself for a, a, a lot of my life. I've been disappointed to myself for uh, many, many moments of my life. But I very quickly realized that that also is a part of your growth process. Growth isn't linear. It's not a straight line that only goes forwards. So I guess on that then, you're right, it isn't linear. Interesting to know that what would you say, talk about some of the challenges that you face in life as a, as a, on a general level, um, in terms of you know, your coaching generally, one of the biggest challenges that you face in your coaching generally. Um, is it something that you're still still trying to overcome or if you've been able to overcome it how have you gone about doing that because um, mm. you know I'm now talking to 2020 football blacklist awards. <laughs> <laughs> um, again the honesty my biggest challenge in trying to be a football coach making it to, to, to ultimately where I feel I belong is being black is being black is being proud about that it's, it's also not just that but being where I'm from so it, that that transcends being black because there's an element of class that comes into it and etiquette and all these things that didn't mean anything to me when I was growing up I realized means a lot to those that can say yes or no um, the way that I overcame that I overcame that by just being myself and trust in the process, trust in that people will always love people irrespective of how they look or where they come from. Now, it may be a very difficult process for some people. They're set in their ways. But I know you can put me in a room of Adolf Hitler and I'm telling you now, by the time I leave that room, that man will love me. That man will love me. If and I just, I just, I just it sounds so naive. Yes, I know it sounds naive, but I'm saying it because I've I'm I've I've lived through it and I'm still living it now. If you walk into a room with a chip on your shoulder, that chip will be there on your shoulder the whole time you're in that room. If you walk into that room and you just radiate positivity and you just believe in everything that you're doing and you believe in everything that you say and it comes from a place of honesty and just a place of love and passion, it doesn't matter what obstacles people throw at you, you will find a way to overcome them because that's what you have to do. The more you look at the negative as, as, as individual uh, uh, moments, the less chance you have to overcome them. You have to look at the bigger picture and you just kind of have to go, so what? Oh, well, so-and-so doesn't really like 
black coaches or black players or whatever, so what? And you just keep it moving. Because we know racism is a societal problem, not a football problem. Football, I'm going to say something really controversial. I don't think football's racist. Football is not racist. People are racist. Society has bias issues. Football isn't biased. We can stand in a stadium full of whatever's that because uh, racism is 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 it's all over the place. We can stand in a football stadium and people can hurl abuse at us, but if we score that goal and we win that match and we win that trophy, are they still hurling abuse uh, abuse at us? Nah, they worship us, they love us. And that's how we are going to change the world. That's how football and sport is going to change the world. We are going to change the world with love, with passion. We're going to connect with people in a way that even they didn't realise was happening and we're going to make people love us. So any, any, any hurdles or obstacles that other young coaches have, look, I'm always, I've always made myself available on social media. Anybody that wants to talk, I get hundreds of DMs every week from random people I've never met before, black people, white people, Chinese, Asian, people hit me up all the time and we just talk, you know, and we talk about these things. Um, just don't get lost in that moment. You have to understand there's a bigger picture and, you know, and understand that if you, if you focus on these small things, you'll become distracted from what it is that you want to become. You know, and as we just start to wind down, I'll kind of to lead on from that. I want to know, Right, we're going to take you back 20 years now. Yeah. 14, you've stepped into that realm of uh, coaching for the first time and, get, I guess, got your first bit of a taste of what that looks like. Um, if you could go back and speak to yourself then, as a 14-year-old, what would be the... Well, initially then, shall I say, and then, you know, later down, you know, probably about 18, 19, when you know, start to consider this as a bit more of a regular thing. What would be the message that you'd want to give back to them? At 14, be as you are. Be as you are. That's all I'd say, just, just be as you are. I know it sounds cryptic, and I know that I'd figure it out. If I could go back and, and, and give myself any message, I'd just say, be as you are. Simply because I've second-guessed myself so many times my whole life I second guess myself I look different you know I'm tall I'm big I'm loud do people like me do they not like me you know second guessing myself all the time all the time second then change at 18 or 19 I think at 18 19 wow yeah wow that's a it's an important age for me that's a really, really important age for me. I think I'll just go to myself and, and, and say, you're going to be great. Keep going. Because at, at 18, 19, there were some really, really low moments for me. Not, not in terms of, of football and injuries, but in my life some horrifically low low moments um, and uh, I think at that age I 
I would have needed to hear someone come and say that to me. So I'm going to now throw you back into that time time zone, time warp, time teleport, whatever you want to call it, and bring us back to today. Mm-hmm. 2020, just been, you know, just been awarded with a football blacklist award. Um, yeah. You mind just talking a little bit about that and then where does Apple Westcott go next from here? <clears throat> It's a good question, and I, and I can't answer it. Um, right now, I'm, I'm living in a moment where I'm so privileged and so honoured to be able to, to work with, with fantastic people at MK Dons. Uh, I say this and I mean this wholeheartedly. I think um, I have got some of the best people I, I, I've ever met around me at that football club. Um, it's taken me a while to get to know one or two people. Um, my academy manager, a bit of a mercurial character at times, but it's taken for me to be around people like him to know what his job role entails and what it means to kind of have that kind of responsibility and to have to make certain certain decisions and what it does to you as a man, as a person. Where, where, where does Apple go from here? I think... Well, look, the future's unwritten. The future's unwritten. And for now, I'm focusing on on being the best possible developer that I can be, um, first and foremost, in my household for my children. Um, and then, obviously, in my place of, of passion um, at work at MK Dons, I want to be the best role model uh, and, and the best developer and motivator. And I want to be the best source of inspiration um, for anybody that, that I come into contact with, for anybody that I work with. Um, and whatever doors that opens for me, I'm sure if, if the time's right, I'll walk through it. Um, but I'm not afraid to fail. Yes, I, I'm I'm not afraid to fail. Brilliant. And, you know, just on that note, then, you know, if for anyone listening to this and watching this, you know, if I gave you 60 seconds now just to kind of wrap up what you would identify as a golden nugget for these listeners and viewers to kind of take on board and think about finding they're in their own journeys, what would that be? Educate yourself on yourself, about yourself. To know where you're going, you have to know where you come from. You have to know who you are as a person. Find yourself before, before looking for anything else. Um, other than that, work hard, but work smart. Educate yourself in anything that you do. Make sure you're you're not the least educated person in that space. If you don't have access to resources, try. Um, All I can say to people really is just try. Just try. Live without regrets. Because everything that you do, it doesn't mean live without care. It means live without regretting the things that you do. You have to embrace the good and the bad because it's going to help you become who you are destined to be, who you're going to become. So, you know, that's, I think that's, that's all I can say really, because I, I don't want to be preachy. I don't want to tell people, do this, do that. It's more just about them discovering themselves, you know? So I guess, you know, I want to bring you back to a word that you used earlier. Um, and I think this word is, this word is very important. And I think it, it holds uh, a lot of worth depending on how you look at it. Um, that word legacy. Yeah. about you know your children being your legacy that you're leaving behind as in, <clears throat> still 
you know, still relatively young to, you know, have the number of years under your belt in the coaching world that you do. Uh, long may that continue. Um, Thank you. Maybe there'll be many, many more kids riding their bikes through burnout, getting taught how to dance at their step over. Well, you know, when you do eventually get, you know, it doesn't have to be necessarily the back end of your journey, but, you know, when, when you leave in environments and you leave in certain places of work and uh, I guess your relationship with people has kind of moved on, um, what do you want the legacy to be behind your Apple West Coast? I want to leave things, not just football, football included in this, but I want to leave everything that I've been in contact with. I want to leave everything in a better place than when I started. My legacy is about progress, just progress. Uh, and for some people, progress, progress can be not worrying about where your next meal's coming from. Progress can be walking in your door without fear of getting beaten or whatever it is. I, I want people to feel inspired to make positive changes in themselves, in their lives, in their careers. Progress. That is my legacy is progress. So, I, look, I just want to, you know, finally, then, you know, just... Thank you again for your time this evening. I mean, it's been a really uh, insightful conversation and I'm sure the listeners and the viewers will, will, will agree with that. Um, if, there, if there was anywhere, anyone rather, that would want to maybe talk a little bit more about some of the things that you've gone through in this discussion or even beyond that or connect with you in any way, would you mind just sharing some information around where they could do that? Yeah. Um, well, first off, yes, mate, the, the pleasure is mine. Um, You've, you've touched the nerve on me. I'm a bit emotional because I have no idea that you were one of those kids in the park. Um, and that just goes to show that you never know who, who you're going to inspire or who you're going to come into contact with. Um, crazy. Um, yeah. Um, my Twitter is uh, Coach Westcott. Um, Apple Westcott, um, same on Instagram. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, uh, coach underscore Westcott. Um, that's my professional page. Um, so yeah, you'll see all, all my information there. My name's so out there that I normally pop up straight away, type in Apple Westcott, and it is just like, yeah, it's, it's just there. So yeah, just anyone's always welcome to throw me a message you know if you've got my telephone number and maybe you didn't realize that we could have these kind of conversations then always you know throw me a whatsapp or a text and i'm always at the other end thanks again um pleasure well there you have it guys it's another edition of the coaches network insight series where we sit down with experienced individuals across the multiple disciplines within the coaching world hoping to explore their journeys and key insights in order to package away some golden nuggets that you can apply to help you reach your full potential I've no doubt that you've enjoyed today's episode as much as we have, but I just want to say thanks again for tuning in. The support is much appreciated. Please do get in touch with us and today's guests. Let us know where you're listening from to share your thoughts, views and key takeaways from today's show, along with any suggestions you may have for guests or future topics on the show that you'd like to hear discussed. Ultimately, guys, the show is about yourselves. The content is for you and we just want to continue to create that great content. On that note, 
get in touch with us on Instagram at the Coaches Network and on Twitter at the Coaches Net. And if you want to touch base with Coach Ben, he's available on Instagram and Twitter at FocusBXN. Lastly, guys, keep an eye on our socials for the latest updates and announcements for upcoming guests and discussion topics with the panel. And until next time, guys, take care. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.